Hello, and welcome into the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes. On today's episode, it's Choices of One by Timothy Zahn, the second story in the two-book Emperor's Hand series, featuring a young Mara Jade investigating corruption in the upper ranks of the Empire. It's a story of mystery and adventure, a story we'll get to in just a few minutes. But first, it's listener question time, my favorite part of the show. I have two questions this week. The first is from listener Nico, who wrote a very nice email, but I had to edit it down a little bit for the podcast. Nico says, I really like the show and am happy I found it. How does it make you feel knowing that there's people all over the world, like Mexico or in my case, Germany, who are enjoying what you're doing? There are times I listen to you at work, and it improves my day a lot. So thank you. You said your two favorite books aren't even from Legends. May I ask which books they are? My favorite books from canon would definitely be the official books to the prequels, especially Episode 3. As for Legends, my favorite ones are the New Jedi Order. How are you going to cover them on your show? Thank you, and may the Force be with you. Well, thank you very much for the email, Nico. You know, except for the three people that I talked to about my idea for doing the Legends podcast, I'm amazed that anyone else is listening. And how many people come back? Honestly, it's very humbling. So thank you so much. Thank you to everyone out there that listens and enjoys the show. Now to Nico's question. It's true. Two of my favorite Star Wars stories are canon books. Light of the Jedi by Charles Soule, the first book in the High Republic era, and Rebel Rising by Beth Revis, about a young Jin Erso in the decade leading up to the events of Rogue One. I don't know if I actually have an absolute favorite Star Wars book. My opinion on that fluctuates. But those two are part of a small group of four or five stories that are definitely my favorites. As to your second question, Nico... My nephew just helped me this past weekend to set my show schedule for Season 3, and the New Jedi Order will be the final 19 episodes of 2023. They'll start April 14th and conclude December 22nd. Thank you very much for the email, Nico. Today's second question comes from Twitter. It comes from friend of the show, Matt Thacker the man who recorded all of the guitar bumps for this podcast. Matt says, If you could assemble an all-star cast of fighter pilots from any Star Wars era into one Moats squadron, who would you take? Man, that is a tough question. Okay, so I'm going to use the rules from the X-Wing Legends novels and say that a squadron is made up of 12 pilots. For me, the most difficult part of the question is trying to figure out who would be the squadron commander. Because it's not necessarily who's the best pilot, but who is the best leader. Not just a strategist, but someone who can inspire others while maintaining discipline. Let's face it, Anakin Skywalker is arguably the best fighter pilot in all of Star Wars. But I can't imagine him being a good squadron commander. And who do I put as Anakin's wingmate? Do I even include Han Solo when we've never seen him fly a starfighter? 
With these questions in mind, here is my personal Red Squadron. And of course, we're flying X-Wings. Harrison Dula from Rebels. Squadron Commander, Red 1, Leader of One Flight. Red 2, Tycho Selchu. The Squadron's Executive Officer, of course, from the Rogue Squadron books. Red 3, Poe Dameron from the sequel trilogy. Red 4 will be Will Lark from the Alphabet Squadron books in canon. Red 5, of course, has to be Luke Skywalker. And he's the leader of Two Flight. Red 6, Wedge Antilles, the best wingman Luke could ever have. Red 7, Aiden Versio from the Battlefront 2 video game. Red 8, Gavin Darklighter from the Rogue Squadron books. Just one of my personal favorite characters in Legends. Red 9, Anakin Skywalker, probably the best pilot, and I'll give him the lead of 3 Flight. Red 10, Oral Kurg, the Gand Finesman from the Rogue Squadron books. Red 11, Jaina Solo from the New Jedi Order and the later Legends books. I'm going to have her fly in the same flight as her grandfather. And finally, rounding out the squadron, Red 12, Asir Silar from the Rogue Squadron books. As you can see, I know a lot more fighter pilots from the Legends stories. I'm sure there are other great pilots in canon, but most of those that I remember, like Han or Nora Wexley or Paige Tico, didn't fly fighters. They flew freighters, transports, or bombers. Maybe I'll have to make some changes to this squadron the more I learn about canon characters. Thank you for the question, Matt. But now you have to tell me who would make up Thacker Squadron. And that goes for all the listeners out there. Tell me what Star Wars characters would make up your ideal fighter squadron. Email that or any other question you have to swlegendslounge at gmail.com or send me a tweet at legendslounge1. Or if you'd like to send an audio message, feel free. Just please record it in MP3 or MP4 audio format. Now let's get to today's book. Choices of One by Timothy Zahn. Grab yourself a drink. It's time to head in to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. The story begins a few months after the previous book, Allegiance. The stormtrooper deserters, calling themselves the Hand of Judgment, continue to travel the Outer Rim, helping Imperial citizens and... The Emperor's Hand, Mara Jade, investigates corruption among the Imperial elite. And, on the border with the Unknown Regions, the Star Destroyer Chimera takes on a mysterious passenger, Lord Otto, who claims he's on a mission from the Imperial Palace to investigate a possible traitor, Governor Feruz of the Candoris Sector. Commander Jalad Pelion is suspicious of Lord Otto, but Captain Callow Drusen says they have no choice but to follow Otto's orders. Elsewhere, the Rebels continue to search for a new base. 
Han, Luke, and Leia joined General Riken in a meeting with Governor Vestin Axlon of Alderaan. Axlon says Governor Firuz is offering the Alliance a base in the Poln system, near the edge of Imperial space. Axlon says Firuz is afraid of invasion from the unknown regions by a warlord named Nuso Esva. Axlon says Esva has grown very aggressive recently, and Firuz's calls for support from Imperial Center seem to have fallen on deaf ears. Riken is skeptical of the offer. He smells a trap. But with the military supplies Firuz is throwing in to sweeten the offer, Riken believes it's an opportunity the Alliance has to consider. Meanwhile, Lerone and his compatriots hear about a rigged election on the Outer Rim planet Eligasso, but the rumor is a trap. The winner of the election, Bach Yost, floated the rumor to lure the Hand of Judgment to the planet in order to eliminate them. But Yost's plan is foiled when Marijade appears. The Emperor's Hand kills the mercenaries holding the former stormtroopers captive. She then suggests to Yost that he step down from his post and order another election, this one on the up-and-up. Mera then tasks the Hand of Judgment with a mission, to travel with her to the Poln system, where the Imperial Governor is reportedly committing treason, colluding with the Rebel Alliance. On Poln Major, Axlon takes Luke to his meeting with Firuz, hoping Luke will be able to use the Force to read the Imperial Governor. But Luke doesn't sense any deception he does feel a tremendous sense of fear and tension surrounding Firuz. Axlon asks Luke to accompany him to the governor's office the next day because there's a rumor that an imperial agent is being sent to deal with the governor. An agent that carries a lightsaber. While Axlon and Luke meet with Firuz, Han and Chewie head to Poln Minor to investigate whether or not any of the abandoned mines would make a suitable alliance base. They meet up with Leia and Colonel Aaron Kraken, the head of Alliance Intelligence, and his survey team. In one of the caverns, Firuz might be offering the rebels, they find a stockpile of weapons and equipment the Alliance desperately needs. The Chimera arrives in the Poln system, and Lord Otto identifies the ships orbiting Poln Minor as belonging to the Rebellion. Otto orders Drusen and Pelion not to engage, but instead to jump over the Imperial border just into the Unknown Regions. Little do they know, the Chimera is being followed by a civilian freighter carrying George Cardass and Senior Captain Thrawn. Thrawn is preparing for an invasion by Nuso Esfa, an invasion he's convinced will happen in the Poln system. Thrawn had requested additional Imperial support, but the Emperor says the fleet cannot spare any ships. So... Thrawn is trying to bring in as much support from the Star Destroyers patrolling the Outer Rim, including the Chimera. But the appearance of the Imperial Star Destroyer spooks Leia and Kraken, who fear the Empire might be on to their negotiations with Governor Firuz. Mera orders the Hand of Judgment to insert themselves into the Stormtrooper rotations around the gubernatorial palace while she sneaks inside. She hacks into a computer terminal and finds the governor's communications with the Rebel Alliance. When Governor Axlon arrives to meet with Firuz, Mera follows him into Firuz's office. When she confronts Firuz with her evidence, the governor doesn't deny it. Instead, he explains that his wife and daughter 
had been kidnapped by Nuso Esva. Farouz says the warlord is blackmailing him, ordering him to invite the rebels to the system, but for what reason he doesn't know. Farouz says he'll accept whatever punishment Mera decides for his treason, but he asks that she rescue his family. Just then, a squad of mercenaries bursts into the office and begins firing. Farouz is hit, but not mortally. Mera holds off the mercenaries and finds the governor's secret escape passage. Quickly, she flees down the tunnel with Farouz and Axlon. They wind up in the basement of Tapcalf, where Mera calms Larone. When the Hand of Judgment arrives, Mera tells them about Farouz, the rebels, Nuso Esfa, and the blackmail plot. She orders the stormtroopers to protect Farouz and Axlon while she tries to locate the governor's wife and daughter. On Pole Minor, Han and Leia learn that someone is loading Kaldorf missiles, an extremely lethal missile designed to be used against capital ships. Posing as technicians, the two join the team tasked to load and arm the missiles. When they arrive at the ships, they're ordered by a group of aliens they've never seen before. Suspicious, Han tells Leia that something's wrong. These missiles aren't going to be given to the Alliance. They're going to be used for something else. Something big. In the Tapcalf basement, Axlon double-crosses the stormtroopers, shooting Grave, Marcross, and Quiller, but not fatally. Stunned, Larone asks what's going on. Axlon tells him that Nuso Esva has laid a trap at Poln Major for an Imperial officer named Thrawn. If the rebels help destroy Thrawn, Esva has promised to bring his fleet into the Alliance. As a show of support, Axlon says the warlord has forced Governor Farouz to stash Imperial military supplies on Poln Minor for the rebellion. While Axlon talks to Larone, Brightwater tosses a knife to Quiller, who's able to jump Axlon from behind and kill him. Unfortunately, Axlon was able to get a message out to his comrades before his betrayal. But with four wounded people in the basement, Larone and Brightwater decide the only thing they can do is stay to try and protect Farouz. But Larone gets a message to Luke, who he noticed with Axlon while Larone was at the governor's palace. He tells Luke about the plot and asks him to play lookout at the Tapcalf to warn them when Axlon's reinforcements arrive. The story's climactic battle begins when Lord Otto orders the Chimera and Thrawn's battle group into the Poln system. Meanwhile, Han and Leia escape from their workforce and tell Kraken about the situation, that the Alliance is being used by Nuso Esva. Still, before they bug out, Kraken orders his team to load up as much of the supplies as possible, including a squad of T-47 speeders. Down on the planet, a squad of mercenaries attacks the Tapcalf, but the Hand of Judgment repels wave after wave. Luke follows one of the mercs away from the Tapcalf and finds out where they're holding Farouz's wife and daughter, in an underground mining cavern. Mera also discovers the mine, but from a different entrance to the cavern. The two outsmart the mercenaries, teaming up, but without really ever seeing each other, except for a few fleeting glimpses from very far away. Mera is eventually able to rescue Farouz's family and escapes the cavern. Lord Otto disables most of the crew of the Chimera with nerve gas and then reveals himself to actually be Nuso Esva. 
the warlord calms his fleet in the unknown regions, which jumps into the Poln system, trapping Thrawn's fleet from escape. But Thrawn anticipated the trap and sends his own message to Darth Vader's Death Squadron. Six Star Destroyers and Vader's own flagship, the Super Star Destroyer, Executor. Thrawn invites Vader to the system with news about rebel leadership on Pole Minor and that they're negotiating with the Warlord. In the ensuing battle, Vader's capital ships hammer Esvas, while Han bluffs his way onto Poln's Golan space station and convinces the commander to destroy the needle ships loaded with the Kaldorf missiles as they launch off Poln Minor. The rebels escape the system as the battle winds down, but based on the supplies they took, Thrawn convinces Vader the Alliance is looking for a secluded, frozen planet to set up their next base. The story ends with Mera getting a telepathic message from the Emperor with her next assignment, Thrawn offering the Hand of Judgment the chance to train allies in the unknown regions against threats to the Empire, and Vader returning to Imperial Center to search for more information about the rebel pilot that destroyed the Death Star and any frozen planets the Alliance might find ideal for a new base. Time for a break. When we come back, I'll talk more about Choices of One and my thoughts on the entire Hand of Judgment slash Marriage two-book arc. I'm Aaron Motes. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Thanks for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, where we celebrate the books from Star Wars Legends. But allow me to suggest a book from Star Wars canon. Queen's Shadow is the story of Padme Amidala, after she steps down as queen and steps up to represent Naboo in the Galactic Senate. Together with her loyal handmaidens and the help of new allies, Padme tries to navigate the labyrinth that is galactic politics on Coruscant. That's Queen's Shadow by E.K. Johnston. Welcome back to the Star Wars Legends Lounge, the show that celebrates the books from Star Wars Legends. I'm Aaron Motes, and today's book is Choices of One by Timothy Zahn, the conclusion to the Hand of Judgment story arc. I really enjoyed the Hand of Judgment story. This is the third time, I think, that I've read it completely. I've always been interested in stories of Imperials who became disenchanted with the Empire, not just those that ended up deserting to the Rebellion and became actively fighting the Empire, but those that just decided, this is not the Empire we signed up for. And we have to do one of two things. Either we have to try to fix it from the inside, or we simply have to walk away. Lerone and the Hand of Judgment kind of take a different tact. Denouncing what the Empire currently stands for, and instead to try to live up to what they consider the ideals of the Empire when they originally enlisted. One of the things I believe Zahn does effectively in these two stories is convey the ideals and beliefs of those who choose the Imperial way of life. 
And I'm not just talking about those that joined the empire, but those who believe that the empire's system of government is better than what the Republic was toward the end of the Clone Wars. The way Zahn writes it, you can see where people would prefer a system of order and peace throughout the galaxy. Now, the question is, what is the price of that order and peace? In the first book, Allegiance, you see the price when members of the Imperial Security Bureau order the execution of regular citizens. In Choices of One, you see Mara and the Hand of Judgment offering justice to those in the outer rim where the Empire is the ruling government, but the people of this area of the galaxy are oftentimes overlooked. Where they live in fear of organized crime. In the case of the Poln system, their proximity to the unknown regions. So you can understand why people living in this area of the galaxy would embrace the ideals that the Empire tries to portray. Now, we the reader know that these aren't the actual ideals of the Empire. I still have my quibbles about how many coincidences appear in Zahn's writing. In my opinion, it's a little more egregious in Allegiance than it is in this book, but this book does have them. But you could actually argue that in this book, those coincidences were manufactured by Nuso Esva and Senior Captain Thrawn, the future Grand Admiral. Another thing I really like that Zahn does in this book is start tying it to the events of The Empire Strikes Back. In Legends, in my opinion, there aren't many effective stories that take place between A New Hope and The Empire Strikes Back. Allegiance and Choices of One are probably the two best stories that take place between those two films. And I like the way Zahn mostly focuses on how the rebellion continues after the Battle of Yavin. Yes, the Death Star was destroyed, but the rebels gave away the location of their base on Yavin 4. The rebels knew they had to flee. Now the question is, where are they going to set up their new base? Currently, they're just gallivanting around the Outer Rim, trying to stay one jump ahead of the Empire. But Rebel Alliance leadership knows that can't continue indefinitely. Sooner or later, they have to find a place to set up a new base. In Choices of One, we see from the military supplies and materiel that Riken and Kraken pick up on Pold Minor, these are the same supplies that the Rebels use to set up Echo Base on the planet Hoth. 
I'm not a really big fan of the Thrawn Nuso Espa plot line of this book. But as I said earlier, I understand Zahn needed a way to get all these chess pieces to the Poln system at the same time. I think it was effective. I'm not a huge fan of it, but it is effective. The best parts of this book, in my opinion, are the plot lines involving the kidnapping of Governor Feruz's wife and daughter and Mara in the Hand of Judgment investigating that. I wish there was a little bit more of the Hand of Judgment in this book than what there was, sort of like the first book, Allegiance, but this story seemed to focus more on Mara herself. Another smart thing that Zahn does in these two books, in my opinion, is not make Mara come across as evil. Now, we as the audience know that she is doing a job for Palpatine. Palpatine is evil. So, in my opinion, Mara is complicit in many of the crimes the Empire commits. The same with the stormtroopers in the Hand of Judgment. However, they are clearly not evil people. And I like the fact that Zahn shows that not everyone that works for the Empire is evil. Now, we have seen this before. We also saw this in Death Star in the first season of the Star Wars Legends Lounge. Here we see it again. We also see once again how Zahn's writing of Thrawn changed in the later Legends books as opposed to the Heir to the Empire trilogy. In Heir to the Empire, Thrawn was clearly a villain. Here, he may be a villain. He is a higher-up in the Imperial Navy, and Thrawn is smart enough to understand that not everything the Empire does is for the benefit of the galaxy. But this is more of the nuanced Thrawn that you get later in Legends, and now, in my understanding, the canon novels about Thrawn. This is the nuanced Thrawn, where he's not bad, he's not good. Is he trying to protect people? Yes. Is he willing to sacrifice other things in order to get his way? Also, yes. Thrawn is the true neutral of the Star Wars galaxy. Now, I've said in the past, one thing I love is plot. And in Choices of One, there is a ton of plot. A little too much, in fact. I had to pare down the summary at the beginning of this show so much and throw so many things out that, honestly, I'm not really sure you guys got a great idea of what happened in this book, particularly in the last third. I wonder... If Zahn originally envisioned the Hand of Judgment story as a trilogy and something happened, either he decided to pare it down to two books or his publishers told him to pare it down to two books, I don't know. It may simply be a two-book story. But the last third of Choices of One goes so fast It almost seems to me that there should have been, if not a whole third story, but like an extra hundred pages in order to flesh out some of the action that's going on. There are times in the last third that 
honestly, the firefight in the tap calf basement with Larone and the Hand of Judgment against the mercenaries, or the space battle above Pole Minor, there were plenty of times where I honestly could not picture what was going on. And I know from previous books that Zahn writes, for me, he's pretty clear when he describes an action scene. I can see in my mind's eye what is happening. But the battles and choices of one at the end are so fast-paced that I have trouble with that. I read them twice. Particularly the basement fight between the Hand of Judgment and the Mercenaries, I really just couldn't picture how the firefight was progressing. I mean, I really like this book. I hope you guys understand. I really do like this book. But I wonder if it could be made better with an extra 100 pages. Because stuff whizzes around so quickly toward the end, it almost is a little confusing in some parts. Now, is there anything in this story that we could possibly see be made canon? I said before, I don't believe Mara Jade would ever be made canon. If she ever was, as I've said before, I think this is the best way to do it, to make her an Imperial agent performing personal investigations for Palpatine or maybe even Vader amongst the political elite in the Empire. But I don't think you would ever give her force powers or a lightsaber. The Hand of Judgment, could they be canon? Sure. You could have a story with Stormtrooper defectors. We've seen stories of Imperial defectors before. Agent Callus and Rebels. Crix Maydeen. I mean, there are Imperial defectors all throughout Legends. One of the fighter pilots in canon in the Alphabet Squadron books is an Imperial defector. I do think it would be interesting to see Imperial defectors who continue to believe what they perceive were the ideals of the Empire originally. But I don't know if that might be a little too difficult to do. I'm sure you could in a book or a comic. I don't, again, I don't know if that'd be too confusing to do on the screen, be it in live action or animation. But that is a story that I am interested in. Well, it's time to wrap up. If you have a question or comment for the show, please send me an email at swlegendslounge at gmail.com or a tweet at legendslounge1. And if you want to get your voice on the show, record your own audio file and email it to swlegendslounge at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. Just remember, record it in MP3 or MP4 format, please. Now, coming up on the next episode, we're going to jump about 35 years into the future along the Legends timeline. I'm starting the bug books. It's The Joiner King, the first book in the Dark Nest trilogy. Once again, thank you so much for listening to the Star Wars Legends Lounge. I'm Aaron Motes. May the Force be with you. And remember, there's always a bit of truth 
in Legends.